as we get started this morning, I want to show a video of our family. It just kind of describes a little bit about what we do. Uh, the video, the footage is about, I don't know, almost two years old now. Uh, but it'll give you a good picture of kind of our ministry in life. So here we go. So this is a little bit about uh, what we do. As, as the video mentions, we serve with Envision, which is one of four different kinds of Alliance missionaries. I explained it in Sunday school, but right now... Uh, our traditional Alliance missionaries, we are now calling them access missionaries because they are creating access in new places where there has been no gospel access. And we also have Kama, which means Compassion and Mercy Associates. They do relief and development work around the world. They'll go into where a natural disaster has hit or where there is a war and work, work with refugees and doing really important work. We also have Marketplace Ministries, and those missionaries typically serve in closed access countries where you can't just show up and say, I'm Reverend so-and-so and, and preach. So you need a legal reason to be in those countries. So they open a business or teach a university. And then my wife and I, we work with Envision. Uh, and Envision identifies and develops missional leaders who innovate, establish, and strengthen communities of faith in key urban environments. We do this through short-term trips, internships, leadership development, and ministry opportunities in the Alliance family. One of the things that I found interesting that I, I did not know um, last time I was here but currently about 14, I believe it's 14,000 Alliance people from around the country go on short-term missions trips every year. 14,000 people every year. Only between two and 3,000 of them actually serve at Alliance Works or go and serve with Alliance people. And what we would love to see is that all 14,000 of them, or at least most of them, would end up serving with Alliance Works because I believe... And I know this church, uh, you're getting ready to give to the Great Commission uh, offering at Council. You're already invested in Alliance missions. Why would you not then, then send teams to work with those same Alliance works that you're already supporting, you're already praying for? And I'm really thankful that this church has come with us for, the, for several to, uh, three times now, and hopefully again in the near future, to do Alliance work, Alliance people doing Alliance work. And so we want to see that happen through those short-term trips, internships, and leadership development, ministry opportunities in our Alliance family. We would love to see uh, that happen. Uh, as I mentioned, I'm just going to share a few stories. This is one of our short-term uh, groups that we had. They were there last year with us. And it, typically every year we get anywhere between three and 500 people uh, that come and serve with us. And if we had 1,000 people, there would be more work to do. Uh, right now it's just Bethany and I, so there's no way we can handle 1,000 people. Uh, but we are looking to add some staff, so pray for that, that God would provide at least three more people to join us on a long-term basis. But there's just a lot of work to do uh, among our Dominican churches, and, and it's just a lot of fun to be a part of. And, and the development piece of how this works, is, I'll just share a quick story with you. We had a lady who came uh, on a short-term trip. Uh, she's from uh, eastern Pennsylvania, I believe. She's from York, Pennsylvania. And she came down, and we were getting ready one day to do door-to-door -door evangelism, and that still works very, very well in the DR. And I was explaining how it worked. I said, you know, we see, you know, we go into homes, we pray for people, we find out what their needs are, and we pray over them. Many times we have the opportunity to share the gospel. We see a lot of people come to Christ. So also, you know, as the Alliance, we believe that Jesus is our Savior, Sanctifier. What's the next one? Healer. Healer and coming King. And so we see a lot of people healed, miraculously healed as we go on these prayer walks. And it's just been an amazing opportunity to minister to people. So, so we see people saved, we pray for people, we see people healed, but I said, and occasionally we do deal with the demonic. I said, uh, with the voodoo and santeria that's really uh, very entrenched in the Dominican, 
So we do have people that are demon-possessed, and we confront it from time to time. So it's not all the time. We don't go looking for it, but it does happen. So just be prepared for that. And the lady on this team, she looked at me. She said, okay, I'm, I'm good with that. I said, but I don't want anything to do with demonic. Uh, I don't want to deal, do with, deal with that at all. It's too scary. I just kind of said, well, it's not really up to me. Uh, and so as we went from house to house, we had uh, just a sweet time of ministry. And a couple hours passed, and we went to the final house that day. As we walked in down this little alley to get to her house, you instant, I could instantly sense, and the past local pastor was with us as well, that the lady there was incredibly demon-possessed. And so we went and in, entered into her home, and, and just, you could sense the darkness that just enveloped this place, the heaviness of it. We prayed, and I just prayed a simple prayer. I said, Lord Jesus, we invite your presence into this place. Uh, the, the devil would have no place here. It wasn't an elaborate prayer. And the lady who was demon-possessed, she began to choke and gag. And she went into the corner of her room, and this is kind of gross, she just threw up all over the place and then ran out of the house. And the lady on the short-term team, her eyes were huge, like, what just happened? And she's kind of freaked out. We finished praying for the rest of the family there and made our way outside where this lady now was. And I turned to her and I said, uh, all right, now it's your turn. And I said, we're going to pray for her again, it's your turn. And she's like, no, no, I can't do that. I said, why not? I said, you have the same exact Holy Spirit within you that the local pastor does, that I do, that any believer does. said, you have power and authority in the name of Jesus. And so she prayed just a simple prayer, similar to mine. And the lady that was demon-possessed, because she did not want freedom, she didn't find freedom, but she couldn't handle the presence of Jesus. And she took off running again. What really changed this short-termer's life she went home with renewed boldness, and she began to share her faith with her friends and co-workers, got more involved in her local church, and now it just has an incredible ministry because she really began to understand the power and authority that she had in Jesus. And she came back a second year in a row this last summer, and we were getting ready to do the evangelism door-to-door -door again. She was like, all right, I'm ready, let's go. And it changed her life. And we want everyone that comes on a short-term trip to understand, even if long-term overseas missions isn't for them, some, for some of them, it is, but not all. But at minimum, they would understand who they are in Christ and that they have power and authority. We have power and authority over even the demonic, and we need to exercise that authority. The next group we have is interns. They come from anywhere from, in our case, two months to up to close to a year. These are some of the interns we had with us uh, this last year. I just want to point out, uh, is, this, is that a laser on here? Oh, I did that. That's okay. Uh, just want to point out the girl on the right, her name's Emma. Emma comes, she's a triplet, she comes from Minnesota, just an incredibly sweet girl. And she served with us for about eight months, six, eight months, is that right? And um, this is a really broken home, incredibly broken home. Uh, parents struggled with addictions, regularly told that she didn't really matter or amount to much, and was kind of carrying the weight of this family making sure everyone was fine all the time, even though she was, even in through high school, was really the responsible adult in the family. Really wasn't expecting much out of life. But thank the Lord, uh, when she was younger, uh, some people from an Alliance church brought her to her church, and, and she gave her life to Jesus, began to share her faith with her parents. It was just a struggle. She decided then to serve as an intern within, with us in, in the Dominican. And God began to heal her heart and began to work in her heart. And she really began to understand that maybe there was more for her and so she decided to transfer. She had gotten one semester of college under her belt at that point. 
but when she went back, she was just going to go to community college again, but uh, really sensed that maybe ministry was, her, uh, was for her long-term career. And now she's studying at Crown College, one of our alliance schools in Minnesota. She's dating a guy pretty seriously who's studying pastoral ministry, and we really believe that they're going for, uh, to be just an incredibly powerful couple for the kingdom of God for a long, long time. We want to see people developed uh, for missions, but also for the kingdom of God for the long haul. And many, most of our interns were on a short-term trip before they became interns. Not all, but most. This next picture, we had a residency program as well. It's a two-year development process, very intentional. With interns, we kind of, it's a process of learning how to be a follower, right? We hear so much about leadership, but we don't really hear much about followership. So our interns really learn how to follow, right? We are all followers, are we not? Followers of Jesus Christ, and so we need to learn to follow well follow him well. But then with our residency program, it's really more of a leadership development, people that are serious about becoming long-term missionaries. And these are just a few of them uh, that we had last year. Adam and Laura Atkinson, uh, if you can see them right there. And then Laura Nahas was with us as well. Did an incredible job. It's really exciting to see people develop, to come on a short-term trip, then maybe do an internship, advance to a residency program, and then potentially serve long-term with the rest of their lives and missions. These are just some of the people that have come out from our site in the Dominican who are now serving in uh, full-time uh, either overseas ministry or now in the U.S. And the upper left-hand corner is Rich and Christy Todd. He was a youth pastor, brought a group down. God grabbed a hold of his heart for missions, and they went on to serve a full term in St. Petersburg, Russia. Uh, and now he's my boss. Works in Colorado Springs. And we love he and Christy and uh, are so thankful for them. The upper right-hand corner is Charles and Ruth, and they, uh, after the, he did the same thing, as a youth pastor, brought a group down, had God grabbed a hold of his heart for missions as well, and then they went on to serve at our Envision site in Chicago, and are looking, and hopefully, we're still praying that they'd be able to get overseas uh, to Southeast Asia uh, for the long haul. They still have a lot of debt to pay off, so pray for them as they work through that. Also, um, David and Aliyah Nishizaki in the bottom left, they were residents, went on to serve in Mexico for a full term and now are starting the only work in the United States, they have a brand new Envision site in Washington, D.C. among the deaf community. Now, the deaf community in the U.S. is really the largest unreached people group in our entire country, and I'm really excited for them. And the only deaf university is actually there, so they're going to be ministering with them. But also then taking uh, teams and interns uh, deaf who are deaf to some of our other alliance places around the world to minister to deaf communities um, in just wherever in the world. We're hoping to bring them down to the DR uh, in the near future to minister to our deaf community. The other two couples, Matt and Terry Perotto, here with their five kids, and Adam and Laura, they were, all, they were all residents with us at one point or another, and now are leading our Envision site in Miami, Florida. Uh, I know a number of you have been over there, and we love them. We're so thankful for them. And what's exciting about their ministry, not only are they ministering to the communities uh, in and around Miami, but they're taking regular trips uh, into Cuba, and so we're able to create a partnership with the Alliance Church in Cuba where we've never been able to do that before. So it's just exciting things. And, but really the question is, who's going to be next? Who's going to be next? I said in Sunday school that God is not done calling people to serve around the world in missions. If he were done calling people to missions, what would that mean? We'd all be at home. We'd all be at home in heaven. I love the Dominican but it's not heaven. I want to be with Jesus. Anybody else? 
I want to be with Jesus. The Bible says in Matthew 24, 14, and when the gospel of the kingdom is preached in the whole world as a testimony to all the nations, then the end will come. We have a role to play in bringing back the king. You know, it's not just professionals who went to seminary who need to get engaged in the Great Commission, but it's going to take the mobilization of this whole church. God is still calling people, and we still need people, not only in the Dominican, but everywhere around the world. There are people who desperately need to know about Jesus. Are you willing? I've maybe, there, and I know, who, who was it last week was here? They're from this church, right? Um, Matt and, what's their names? Okay, Griffins. Who's next? I believe God is going to call more people out of this church to take the gospel to the dark places of the world, to spread the message of Jesus. We need people. Just a little bit about the Dominican. Last term, we were living in a city up here in the north called Santiago. It's the second largest city of about a million people. Uh, but this next term, God is calling us, and through our leaders, also believe it as well, that we, are, we should be living in Santo Domingo, which is the capital city. It's about half of the population of the, of the country and lives right there. So uh, it, kind of the idea that if you don't live in Santo, Santo Domingo, you have to go there for one reason or another. So kind of all roads lead to Santo Domingo. So we will be uh, based there, where we're really going to hoping to be focused on doing uh, three different things. Uh, but before we get to that, this is the northern part of the country. And all the little yellow dots you can see, or at least most of them, are where all of our churches are in the north. The DR is divided into three districts, north, south, and west, east. But there's no west, because west would be... 80, that's right. But this is the northern district where we have about 40 of our churches. In total, we have about 100 alliance churches in the DR. And uh, they are all the time planting new churches and, and want to have one in every provincial capital in, in, uh, in the DR. This is the capital city. So as I mentioned, we want to do three things. One is the continued development of Americans who are coming on those teams, interns, and residents to launch them into missions for a career. Uh, we also are heavily involved in pastoral leadership development. I spend a lot, most of my time when we don't have teams uh, is just with pastors. I kind of joke that I have a ministry of lunch, uh, which is also why I wait too much. Uh, I take pastors out to lunch and just hear their heart, what's going on in their lives. Uh, there's a very much a legalistic environment in the Dominican, and so many pastors have trouble sharing their concerns, their struggles, temptations, uh, because, and because I'm enough one of them as a, as a minister, but also not one of them. Uh, I'm kind of a safe place for them to share temptations and struggles they're having in their lives. And so it's been encouraging to be a part of that work. And, and we're hope, we bring in, regularly we bring in pastors and leaders who can do training events for them. And we want to continue to do that. And it'll make a lot more sense in the capital. The third thing that we want to do beyond, beyond developing Americans and Dominican pastors is reaching out to university students. Uh, right here, where this yellow star is, is, is where the Alliance has owned a guest house since the early 90s. And we're going to be taking over that facility when we return to house most of our short-term teams, interns. Uh, and all these red dots around it are where all the most of the major universities are in the country. And so one of our desires is to begin an outreach on university campuses, where we did a little bit of investigating, and no one's reaching uh, these students for Christ. It's really an underserved and a really underreached community in the Dominican, and believe that God, we believe that God has great things for them and want to see them reached for Christ. So pray for us as this is kind of the new piece for us is reaching into these universities. Uh, we're actually going to, the plan is anyway, to in, actually enroll ourselves, my wife and I, uh, in one of the universities to uh, hopefully just create inroads, uh, 
a kind of double-edged sword. It'll improve our Spanish, because that can always get better, uh, but then also to connect with Dominican students. This is the guest house for those that are, uh, like to see things, the visual. We're going to need some teams to come down and help uh, kind of retrofit this building. It needs a lot of work, uh, especially on the inside. So uh, if you're interested in coming down and helping us do a lot of the work in this place, we'd love to have you. And it'll be kind of our headquarters base of operations. Uh, I want to share uh, kind of the rest of my time this morning, just going through the Bible, sharing some of my testimony. I know when I was here a couple years ago, I had the opportunity to share some of that with you. Uh, so I don't want to repeat a lot of it, but God has really continued to work in my life. And I want to share, too, that as I share this morning, to give proper credit, half of these stories that I'm going to tell are really my wife's. So... Uh, I'm not going to stop each time and say this is her story, because most of them probably are hers. She could t share this message just as easily as I could. We really do this together. This ministry is, is totally together. But God has had to do some pruning uh, in my life, some changing, uh, some things that have been uh, really, really difficult. If you have a Bible and you want to turn to the book of John, chapter uh, 15, this is really a... a this word really is something that the Lord spoke to Bethany about. Just the first couple of verses, and then we'll get into some of these other scriptures. I am the true vine, verse 1. I am the true vine, my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, so that it, be, that it may bear more fruit. How many of you like to be pruned? Pruning is not fun. It's painful. Right? If you think of a vine that is producing fruit, when you prune it, initially it's producing what? Initially. Not a whole lot. Right? It's got to heal from those wounds. Uh, it's got to kind of redevelop and grow in different ways that it maybe wasn't necessarily expecting or planning on. And God has definitely done that uh, in my life. I remember if I shared with you last time I was here that when we were pursuing missions, I pursued it with everything that I was. Everything, everything that I ever wanted to be was to do missions. But for a time, we didn't think that we were going to make it overseas. God had to do some real pruning and changing in my life. One of those ways that God has had to continually prune me is to remind me that his presence is with me all the time. To stop hiding. This is, a, this is a battle that I still fight. Hiding who God has made me to be. Hiding the sins in my life. Hiding the areas of struggle and temptation. Or hiding the wounds that I carry that I don't really want to talk about. We've been doing that, and I, probably true in your life, that we hide. It's part of who we are as human beings. Ever since the beginning, we hide. We don't want people around us to really know who we are to see the ugly spots in our souls, we hide. But God continually says to us over and over again, I am with you, I am with you, I will be with you. He wants to know you. He wants us to walk in the light. So I'm going to just share some stories this morning of how God has really been with us. How when we walk with his presence, when we don't hide from him, when we continually pursue him above all else, when we don't shrink back and say, Lord, I got this, I don't need you, I got this figured out. If I let you in, all this ugliness will come out. No, but when we truly allow his presence to guide us, when we take comfort in that, 
we can then begin to walk in the power and authority that I talked about earlier. But as I mentioned, we've been doing this from the very, very beginning. We hide. When Adam and Eve sinned in the garden, what was the first thing they did, that they did? They hid. Right? They felt shame, so they clothed themselves. They hid from one another. They hid from the Lord, it says in Genesis chapter 3, and they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and the man and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Are you hiding this morning from the presence of God? Is there something you've done that you feel ashamed of? You don't like about yourself, just like Adam and Eve did? Are you hiding? I find myself hiding on a regular basis, and I always time having to say, Lord, I'm here, I'm here, pursuing his presence. But the Lord called, how many of you think that God actually did know where they were? <laughs> he did. He knew where they were. It says, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? This, was, this wasn't a question because he didn't know. It was, he wanted Adam to acknowledge where he was. And, and, in, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. He said, who told you that you were naked? Who told you that there was something to hide from? Or that I was to be avoided? Or that you are to carry shame? The great thing about the gospel of Jesus Christ is that when we give our hearts to Jesus, when we accept the forgiveness through his death, burial, and resurrection, we don't have to hide anymore. We can walk in the light. We don't have to be like Adam and Eve and say, and say, I heard you, but I hid. We can pursue the presence of Jesus with everything. And I'm going to tell you, the presence of Jesus is absolutely everything. I wouldn't want to do missions if the presence of Jesus wouldn't go with me. In fact, I've said all year, if God calls me tomorrow to leave the Dominican Republic, to go back to Ohio, to get a job in a factory, something that I'd worked in a factory in college, it wasn't my favorite experience. But if he says, I will be with you, it's exactly what I'm going to do. If he says, go here or there or do this or that, and I will be with you, that is what I want to do. I don't want to hide from the presence of Jesus. He is everything. I want to share just a few stories of how his presence has meant everything to us in this first term. The other thing I wanted to mention, too, before we get into those stories, is that sometimes we're not really sure if he's going to fulfill his promise. You may be struggling this morning. Are you really going to be there when I need you? Or are you going to let me down? We may have heard this story in church. We may have heard pastors say, God will be with you. But you're a lot like Jacob. Because Jacob had his father Abraham and Isaac, right, who had experienced the presence of God. But Jacob still wasn't really sure. And he said, if God will be with me and will keep me in this way that I go and will give me bread to eat and clothing to wear so that I come again to my father's house in peace, then the Lord shall be my God. He didn't really believe it. He wasn't quite sure. So he said, if God will be with me. Maybe that's what you're saying this morning. But he will be with you. Just a few stories uh, as we've been overseas. As Moses said to the Lord, O Lord my God, I am not eloquent either in past or since you have spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and tongue. Then the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? So when Bethany and I were get preparing to be missionaries, they have, they make this, you take this test called the MLAT, Language Aptitude Test. 
We went in one day, a friend of ours had to proctor the exam. They don't want people cheating, so they make someone be there while you're taking it. And a friend of mine, he's a pastor, he was there while we took it. And um, I bombed this test. Bethany did great. She did just fine on the test. But basically, it was so, it was so bad, the kind of joke was, I'm surprised you speak English. Uh, they were like, you're never going to learn another language. It was really, really bad. But the Lord had to remind me of this story as well. Who's made man's mouth? If God has called you to something, he will equip you for that task. Who has made man's mouth? Who makes him mute or deaf or seeing or blind? Is it not I, the Lord? And then he doesn't just say, I will be with you, but he gets real specific with Moses. God's willing to get real specific with your excuses too. When we hide, when we're like, no, I can't do that. Lord, uh, you won't be with me. It's impossible. But he says, I will be what? I will be with your mouth and teach you what you shall speak. So even though I did incredibly poorly on this MLAT test, uh, I'm able to communicate completely in Spanish now. I prayed every day while we were in language school, God, give me the gift of tongues. <laughs> Didn't happen. It's just... A lot of hard work, a lot of mistakes, but through, but through that process, his presence was with me. I fully believe that when he said, I will be with your mouth, he was with my mouth. And whatever God is calling you to, whatever the excuse you have, God will be with that as well. If he's cruelly called you, if he, and he does promise his presence, he'll be with that area of your life as well. And God was with me as we learned language. I was a little concerned that uh, as we were here this year that I was going to forget all of my Spanish, but two weeks ago I was at a church and spoke. And they said, hey, and we have a two o'clock service. Uh, it's a Spanish congregation that meets. And I said, well, I'd really like to go. And in good Latino uh, style, they, uh, five, you know, an hour before the service, they asked if I wanted to preach. And so I preached in Spanish, and God was with me. Without his presence, that would be impossible. Without the power of God in my life, that would have been impossible. If I had hid, if I had said, I, I'm not capable of this, it would have been impossible, but God was with me. Then, after we were in the Dominican, we had been in there for about, I don't know, six months or so. We were really excited to join a team. We originally went, as it says in the note, we went as site associates, and we were content to do that for the rest of our careers, the rest of our lives. Uh, the couple that was, that was leading the Envision site there are incredibly gifted, good speakers, good fundraisers. They get a lot done, just uh, incredibly talented but about six months in, uh, they left Envision, and we found ourselves in charge of this site. Still not really speaking Spanish very well, not having any idea what to do with all these teams that were coming, but God was with us. Sometimes maybe God is calling you to step into a ministry that someone before you did incredibly well, and you're thinking to yourself, I could never do that as well as they could, or I could, couldn't be in that role. But when God is calling you to step up into a new position, God will be with you as well. As he says to Joshua, right? Joshua has to take over for who? Moses. Moses was so intimate and close with God. In fact, it talks about in the book of Exodus when Miriam got leprosy, God's speaking to Aaron and Miriam, and he says, God speaks to, I speak to Moses face to face. Who are you? And then when Moses was speaking with God on the mount, he literally had such an intimate relationship with God that when Moses came down, he was what? glowing with the presence of God. Who wants to take over for Moses? Anybody? I don't. 
but God was with Joshua. And he says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, and you and all the people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you. Just as I promised to Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, and all the land of the Hittites, to the great sea, toward the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. And here's the key part. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. God was with us in that transition. I don't know how we did it, other than to say that God's presence was with us as we took over the leadership of the site, and four years later, we're still doing it, and we love it, and God has been faithful. His presence has been with us. We're not looking to hide from him. We need him. We need him, we need him, and so do you. Just to share just another story. Um, I probably shared this story before, but I think it bears repeating. When we had been there, I think a, a couple of years, our daughter at the time, or maybe a year, uh, I was getting ready to uh, give a devotional in front of a group. There's about 60 people there. Interns were leading our last worship song, and I was praying, really enjoying the presence of God. And out of the corner, you know, just barely here, uh, my daughter cry. And she was three years old at the time. And, uh, you know, the parents, there's different cries, right? There's the, uh, I'm really angry with my brother cry. We hear that one a lot. Um, there's the, I'm terribly hurt cry. And parents, we all know we go running when those happen. And then there's the, I scrape my knee cry. And this was one of those. We heard our daughter. And my wife was in the back, Bethany was in the back, and um, she was taking care of Lily, and I'm still getting ready to share this message. And one of our staff members, Terry Proto, comes around, and she says, you got to go. And I kind of brush her off initially, and she says, no, you have to go right now. Something's wrong with Lily. And I go around the back, and my wife is, Bethany is holding Lily, and she's turning cold, and she's really very, almost completely unresponsive. Really, I thought that we were losing her, that she was dying. And we even have thoughts such as, God, this was a mistake. We should have never come here. What are we doing? So we rush to our car. We leave our boys behind with the rest of our team, and we run to the hospital, which was just down the street. And we begin to pray, God, you, we need your presence right now. I'm thinking in my head, and Bethany's praying as well, and, and we begin to pull into the hospital, and she starts to do just a tiny bit better. Get to the emergency room door, and we talk, Bethany and I are talking, like, well, let's go park, and then we'll take her in. Because we think if we take her in now, um, you know, they're going to run every test. We'll be here all night. So let's go park, and then we'll take her in. So we go park, and then she's doing even a little better. So we're like, well, let's just sit here because she's still not well, um, but we don't want to go in. Um, so we sit there, and we continue to pray, and our team back at, this, at the team center, they're praying. And over the course of the next 10 or so minutes, God completely restores our daughter. Completely 100%. In fact, God had said to Bethany earlier that week, you've seen me do so many miracles in people around you, in the short-termers, in the Dominicans that we're ministering to. You've seen healings, salvations. Will you allow me to do a miracle in your life? And he did a miracle in our life. 
But he had to remind us, I've been faithful in the past. I've been with you in the past. I'm going to be with you now, and I'll be with you in the future. God had to remind his own people of that on a regular basis. It says, but now thus says the Lord, he who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. What is this in reference to? When they pass through the Red Sea. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers. Jordan River. When they pass through the Jordan River, I will be with you. And through the rivers. Or sorry, next phrase. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned. And the flames will not consume you. Consume you. Figuratively speaking, I felt like I was walking through a fire. We were losing our daughter. God was faithful in the past, and he was with us then. And I believe as we go back to Santo Domingo in July, he'll be with us then as well. Sometimes we need to be reminded he was faithful in the past. That's why I love that the Israelites in the Old Testament, whenever God did something, they set up a stone, altar kind of thing to remember that God had been with him. Are you setting up those kinds of monuments in your life where you can say, God was with me at that moment? Memories to say, God was faithful and he will be faithful again. He will be with you. We'll skip through that one. Uh, I want to just share one story. Uh, we're actually got, got the opportunity, we're going to be sharing this week, counsel just for like three or four minutes, it won't be long, of a story of the church that actually you guys served in the very first time you were down there. But this little struggling church uh, it had maybe eight or ten people, and I'll, I'm going to finish with this story. Eight or ten people at most, really struggling. The pastor had started the plan to this church from the neighboring. He was the associate pastor of the next town over, and he came over, struggling, 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 not getting anywhere. And uh, we began to walk, and vision began to walk alongside them. In fact, the life offering from two lives ago, part of that money helped to build him a church building. They were able then to get a child development center with One Child Matters. I have packets out there if you want to sponsor a kid. So they had a large children's ministry of about 300 kids. The church was still struggling. In fact, the pastor was given the opportunity to go to larger churches. Uh, the national president asked him to go to uh, a church in one of the big cities. But he said, you know what, I don't feel that God is done with me here yet. And we began to work with him. Uh, your team came down and helped this church. A number of other churches came down to help out as well. And the church began to grow a little bit by a little bit. In fact, it had grown so much that um, that word in the community began to get out, that things were happening here, that there was spiritual activity, that God was on the move. And so one evening, as they're having church, because they do church at night because it's too hot in the day, so they have church at night, and uh, the local Santaria witch doctor uh, showed up to church. And the pastor's like, what in the world is he doing here? He's telling us this story the next day because he was at our house on Monday. Like, what is he doing here? And through the course of that evening, this uh, witch doctor, he gave his life to Jesus. A guy who had probably earlier that day, his life was completely committed to the work of Satan. And in one day, gave his heart to Jesus. And as this, this church has continued to grow and blossom, and then the next day, uh, this is... Um, this is Pastor Cesar and Juby, the pastor there, and uh, this is um, Anaudi. He was the former witch doctor who gave his heart to Jesus. We went over to his home uh, the next day, and we did a deliverance session because he had a satanic altar with fetishes and icons and, and cast out the demons of that place. And then uh, the next day, the pa Pastor Cesar said to me, he said, hey, I can't go 
because uh, I have to work tomorrow. All our pastors are bivocational. He said, would you go with the leaders of my church and, and burn and, and destroy all these fetishes and icons? And I said, sure, I'll go with them. And so we took the stuff uh, of um, you know, all these fetishes and icons. They're in a box. We took them to an open field. We poured some gasoline on it. We sang some worship. We prayed. We lit a match. And I'll remind you, too, is that all of his neighbors were incredibly scared angry. His family was angry because he was losing his job. If you remember the story in the book of Acts where the girl uh, gave her heart to Jesus and then her owners no longer had any source of income. That was similar for him. He was losing his job because his job was doing consultations. So the community was upset. His family was upset. The spirits, I'm sure, were upset that he had given his heart to Jesus. So we threw a match. I threw a match on that pile of stuff and what do you think happened? It burnt. <laughs> that entire pile of fetishes and satanic fetishes and icons, it burnt up and is gone. It's a testimony to that community. Uh, just a few days before we came back for home assignment in August, Pastor Cesar and I had the privilege of baptizing a Naudi. And just about a month ago, a Naudi preached his first sermon in the church. And, he, and then they did an evangelistic campaign in the next town over at another Lions church. And then now he invited one of his former co-workers, a witch. She gave her heart to Jesus. And then about two, uh, two weeks ago, this church had a huge evangelistic campaign, which I showed you all the picture of in Sunday school. The church is blowing up. Blowing up. But if it wasn't for the presence of God, if we had hid from our own insecurities from our own sin, from our own shame, from our own feeling of inadequacy, and we had not pursued the presence of Jesus, none of that would have been possible. Let me back it up. It says, For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing in all of creation. And when we walk in the power and authority of Jesus, when his presence is with us, even the demons run in fear. Is that the kind of life that you want to live? Brothers and sisters, with the presence of Jesus, we can walk in full power and full authority in the name of Jesus and even the demons run. Do you want your community here in Fort Myers, in Florida, to be impacted by the kingdom of God? Pursue Jesus above all else. John 15 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. We need to remain in him. You know, I, I, this last illustration, you know, a piece of, of fruit, like an apple on a tree or a branch on an apple tree, it can't work and strive and grunt and moan and do everything to try to produce an apple. How does a branch on a tree produce an apple? It's connected to the roots. Are you willing to pursue Jesus at all cost? Are you willing to abide in him? That's my prayer for you this morning. Because when we do that, we can produce much fruit. I don't want to ever do anything else. I don't want to do anything without the presence of Jesus. 
in my life. I don't want to run from him or hide from him because of my shame. It's all about him. He is worthy of our praise. Let's pray. God, we praise you that you've been with us. In the Dominican, you've been here in Fort Myers. God, if there's someone here today who doesn't know you, who has never experienced your presence in any way, God, I pray that they would understand how much you love them, that you died for them, that you want to be in in their life, that you want to work in and through them. Lord, for those who are here this morning who know you, but maybe are hiding, have shame, or trying to do it on their own, Lord, I pray that they would pursue you above all else. Lord, that we wouldn't be like Adam and Eve, who when you came walking, when you come, we run and hide. Help us to pursue you with everything. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.